Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Welcome, Jubilee fam. Uh, So good to have you with us. If this is your first time checking us, welcome, welcome, welcome. It is an honor to have you with us. My name is Brian Mowry. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Jubilee Church, and we are so glad you made the decision to be with us today. And uh, just to let you know, we are in this series in the book of Philippians. This is week eight, and we are finishing the series next Sunday. And we are learning about how to have joy in turbulent times. And and today, Paul is very practically going to tell us that how we can have joy, we can have peace, even in the context where there's division, where the world around us is full of anxiety, we can have peace. And not just momentary peace, but we're talking about an industrial strength peace, regardless of circumstance, regardless of what's going on in the world, you and I can have peace And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of piece I'm interested in. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I cannot think of a better place than to be in the book of Philippians to talk about peace and joy. Because Paul, in writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he's writing from prison. Okay, but he's not just writing from prison. He is writing from a Roman prison, all right, which was one of the worst prisons you could be a part of. But not only that, he was not only writing from a Roman prison, he was presumably writing from death row, Uh, He didn't know if he was going to last another 20 years or another 20 minutes. He was in that place. And here's what's interesting about this letter. Even though this was his circumstances, that that the future was totally unknown to him and it looked bleak, he talks about joy in this letter more than any other letter he writes to the churches. In fact, this, this New Testament book, this New Testament letter, has more references to joy than any other New Testament book. Now, that's a guy I want to learn from. If you're on death row and you cannot stop talking about how happy you are, that's a guy to learn about joy. That's a guy to learn about peace from. And it is something that we can learn. Paul says later in this letter, just a few verses down that we didn't get to read to, we didn't get to this week, but we'll get to next week. He says he's learned this secret, and you and I can learn this. And so we're going to look at some very practical ideas on how we can have peace, even in the midst of anxious circumstances. And I just want you to know that when we go through this, I want you to know what you're not going to hear, because this is what you would typically hear when you are feeling anxious, when you're feeling weighed down, when when the world feels bigger than you. Uh, The advice that we typically get is like, hey, you just need to take a break. You need to um, ignore the negative thoughts. You need to take a vacation. You need to stop working so much. You need to release yourself from obligations. You need to get rid of those draining relationships. You need to stop eating so much sugar or whatever it is. And, And all those things are fine and good, and maybe you need to do those things. Um, but Paul says that's not the secret. The secret isn't found in something external. It's, it's not found out there. Listen, listen to me. It, it's found inside of us. Now, for some of you, this seems like bad news because you know, we like to have something to blame. We, have like, we like to have something to like, oh, if I can change my circumstance, if I can change my external, I don't have to change and I can have peace. But that's where Paul goes. But here's why it's good news. It means that joy and peace is not out of your control. Some of us just feel doomed to be joyless. Some of us feel doomed doomed to have no peace. 
because we feel like it's based on our circumstance. But here's, it, it, because, it's, because it's something that you can do inside of you, it, you can have a joy, you can have a peace regardless of your circumstance. So what does Paul say? Paul says, look, you gotta know your source. Number one, Paul says, you gotta know your source and your source of joy must be in the Lord. So he says in verse four, he commands rejoice in the Lord. And then he adds always rejoice in the Lord always. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if your joy is sourced in the Lord, hey, look, you can have joy all the time. In fact, not just any kind of joy. You can have level 10 joy yesterday, today, and forever. And here's why, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But here's what's not the same yesterday, today, and forever. The stock market, politics, relationships, your kid's behavior, the culture you prefer, your job, your physical appearance, all these things do not, are not constant. They do this. And if your joy is sourced in those things, this is what your joy looks like. This is what your peace looks like. But if your joy, if your peace is sourced in the Lord, it's level 10 all the time because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if the stock market goes down, it's tough, but you're not torn. If your candidate doesn't win, you're sad, but you're not destroyed. You know, if your relationships break down, you're disappointed, but you're not overthrown. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our source needs to be in him. So number one, know the source of your joy, the source of your peace. Number two, know the logic. He talks about the logic of peace, the logic of joy. You know, the culture is going to point you to a technique, but the Bible is going to encourage you to think, because check this out. In verse five, it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone because the Lord is at hand. I mean, this verse is so fascinating to me that it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. We might say, Paul, you need to get a grip. I mean, do you understand the situation that you're in? You're about to get killed and you are rejoicing. You're talking to us about being reasonable. And that's what you got to love about Paul. I mean, it was impossible to get this guy down. They're like, man, if, if you don't stay quiet about Jesus, we're going to throw you in prison. He's like, throw me in prison. I've been looking forward to talking to the Roman guards. Well, we're not, we're just going to beat you. Well, I don't even count these momentary afflictions worthy of the joy I have in Christ. Well, then we're going to kill you then. Well, that'll just get me to Jesus. Okay, we're going to let you live. Well, to live is Christ. No matter what you did to Paul, he was fully sourced in joy. No matter what happened to him, you could not knock him off his joy. You could not knock him off his peace. And we may, wanna, we may be tempted to say to Paul, you need to get in touch with the reality. Your reality is not good. You're not the one being reasonable. You're about to die, and you're not only not freaking out, but you are rejoicing. You are out of touch. And Paul would say, with all due respect, you're out of touch. The person... The person who was crucified for you, he would say, controls tomorrow. And that's what you and I forget. When we don't have peace, when we don't have joy, we forget that the one who died for us is the one who controls tomorrow. He who did not spare his own son, will he not give us all things? I'm the one, Paul says, that's taking my faith to its logical outcome. I'm the one who's taking my faith to the altar. I'm the one being reasonable, and you're the one who's not. Paul is not giving to hype and saying to rejoice. He is given to reasonableness 
to logic. So that's the logic of, of, of our joy, of our peace. Three, the posture of peace. Verse six and seven says, do not be anxious about anything, okay, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that's important, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. And that word guard is like a military word. Like, you know, like if you, if you knew that you had, you know, like the Navy SEALs outside of your house, guarding your house. I mean, you could be just about anywhere and feel safe. And that's what the promise is. But notice that the way that we have this peace that's beyond understanding and this is, is we have to have the right posture. And the posture here is, is prayer. And the reason why that's important is that prayer is a posture of peace because it flows from a humble heart. It flows from a humble heart, a trusting heart. A trusting her. I love what Peter says in his first letter in chapter five. He says, clothe yourselves, all of you, talking to Christians, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper hand, proper time he may exalt you. And, and, and then he says this, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Look, he's not just saying humble yourself because, because, because. He's, he's, he's backing up with the statement about who God is and, 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 and prayer is the posture of humility. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. If I was preaching this message last week, I would have said, cast your vote on a candidate, but cast your hope and your burdens on Jesus. When we worry, we forget who God is and what he's done because we think we know better. So we, in our, in our pride, we are without peace. It's within our humility, in a posture of prayer, in a posture of dependency that we find our peace. And the key to this type of prayer is thanksgiving because some of us are praying, but maybe we're praying with a sense of entitlement and not a sense of thanksgiving. Entitlement prayer comes from a place that puts God to the test. God, you owe me. And if you're good, you'll do what I say. You'll give me what I want, which doesn't lead to peace. That's not a posture of humility. That's a posture of entitlement and pride. Prayer with thanksgiving is thanking God for the outcome before the, even the outcome comes. It's, 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 it's make your supplication, make your request known to God with thanksgiving. Not thanksgiving after you know what happens, but thanksgiving in the asking, in the request. And that's the key, adding thanksgiving and praise and worship in your request. Psalm 118, 24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. If you want the peace of God, it's not simply good enough to know that he's in charge and he's sovereign, that this is the day that the Lord has made. Peace comes from when you rejoice in the day before, during, and after you know how the day turns out because you know that God works out all things for good. So it's not enough just to say, hey, this is the day the Lord has made. It is, we have to rejoice in it. That's where the peace comes. It's when we rejoice in what God's knowing that he works out all things for good. I mean, just imagine if you were one of the followers of Jesus, the friends of Jesus on the day he was crucified, you would have thought it was all coming to an end. You would have thought there's no way any good could come out of this. I can't believe God's letting this happen. I mean, the, 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 the superhero, the one that was going to, to 
to lead us into promise and happiness. It's all ending. This isn't fair. This isn't right. God doesn't know what he's doing. And they would have went home. We would have went home just like they did, thinking there is no way any good can come from Jesus being crucified. But good did come from this. In fact, more good than we could ever would have thought or imagined. God did more redemptive good through that act in a moment where we thought, man, there'd be no way any good can come out of this. But now, as you know, like half the songs we sing at this church are about this moment. The moment we were all on the, on the, on the front end of that moment, we thought no good could come out of this. Now on the back end of the moment, like half our rejoicing is over that moment. There was a moment in my senior year in college where Jesus made himself uh, real to me. And as I graduated, I need to make a decision about where I was going to get a job, where I was going to live and work. So I made a list of categories. And one of those categories was location. And the location that got the very worst score, like the one that I just, the the worst possible location I could have ended up in was St. Louis. And at the, at the encouragement of my dad, I just kind of prayed about like, you know, God, you know, give me a great outcome. And I was like, God, you know, whatever you do, give me a job in anywhere else besides St. Louis. I mean, I was, I was helping God out. Like I was giving him a lot of options. I mean, there's a lot of cities in America that I would have been very happy to go to. So I was, I felt like it was a really reasonable request. Um, but here's what happened. The only jobs that were open to me were in St. Louis and, and I, I remember thinking, you know, man, like, God, you're, you're, how, how could this be good? I, I don't understand. But now what I think about it, I'm like, if he'd only given me what I'd asked for, like, if God would have actually listened to what I wanted, I, and I mean, my life would be a shell of what it is today. I mean, I just, so much good has come from God leading me to St. Louis. And what he was saying to me, and I think what he would say to you, is I always give my children exactly what they ask for. I always give my children exactly what they would have asked for, I should say, if they knew everything that I did. See, that's the thing. We don't know. We think we know, but we don't know. It's the posture. If you want peace in your life, the posture of peace posture of joy. It's humility. It's through prayer. It's by rejoicing. It's not just prayer. It's prayer with thanksgiving, saying, God, I know that you're going to work this out for good. I'm trusting you with the outcome. Okay, so that's the, po- the, the posture. Now the focus of peace. So in verse 8, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Um, again, I said this earlier, like most of the time when we talk about peace and joy, people want to talk about removing a negative circumstance, you know, just expel the negative and, you know, um, and sometimes that can lead to like us thinking like, you know, in order to have peace, we have to not be realistic. Like we don't have to face the facts, but that's not what's being said here. It's saying like, don't face the facts, but it's talking about changing, uh, your focus. And maybe you've heard the phrase garbage in, garbage out. Um, that's kind of what Paul's getting to. Like, if, if you were to, if you were to do, do this with me, you know, wherever you're at, and, you know, this may look dumb to you, but if you closed one eye and you took your finger, something small, and you were to put it over this other eye, I mean, I, can, I can't see, I can block out 
so much. I can't see you. And if you, if you were to do that to me, you could block out me. You could block out a lot of things. You could block out um, the sun if you're outside, wherever you're at. Um, and here's the, the point to that. Like a, a very small thing can block out a very big thing if that's what your focus, uh, focus is. And most of us spend our entire life focusing on our problems, putting the, our problems over the retina of our soul that block out the enormous promises of God. So it's not just about like not facing reality because remember Paul said, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. This is like getting in touch with what you really have. And if, as, as a Christian, you have so much. And, but most of us though tend to focus on the negative. We put ourselves on a 24-hour bad news cycle when the gospel wants to put us on a 24-hour good news cycle that you are loved, that you are accepted, that you are eternally secure, that you have significance in Christ, and that is what is true. But, but because of what we choose to focus on, we need to understand the focus of peace. We put ourselves on a 24-hour bad news cycle. Practically, this is how we get there. We wake up and we go straight to our phones. And we look at our social media apps and we see those hellish little red circles that tell us like, you know, like, you know, how much people care about, oh, I only have one notification. No one cares about me. And then you go on, you look at social media and you look at, you know, what, you know, what all of the fun that your friends are having and you're not involved and how popular they are and, and you're not very popular and, and you compare your boring life to their exciting life. And, and then we start with that. Or maybe it's not social media, maybe it's media. Maybe we go to our favorite news app and, and you know, whatever that is. And, and here's what, what will happen is that um, you'll hear this bad news cycle. And, and that's the way the media is now more than ever, you know, whether you're politically left or politically right. You'll, you'll never going to hear, hey, we've got some good news for you. So if, you, if your favorite stations are, are more conservative, uh, more Republican, you're never going to wake up and hear the news. Be like, hey, we just want to tell you about five things that all the good things, five things that the Democrats are doing to make our country better. Like, you're never going to hear that. You're never going to go to a station that leans to the left and say, you know what? We want to tell you five things that the Republicans are doing to make our country better. You're just never going to hear that. What you're going to hear is they, they, they're... Their whole goal, if you don't know this, their whole goal, whether regardless of the news outlet, is not to get you to think on whatever is good, commendable, and pure. Their whole goal is to get you to think about what is negative, to, to believe a rumor, to believe something that, you know, to, to bring out the worst in someone, to, to paint a caricature. And, and the result of that is not peace, it's not joy, it's anxiousness, it's, it's worry. And so we need to understand the focus. Or maybe that's not you. Maybe it's not social media. Maybe it's not the news. Maybe you're like me. Maybe it's work. So the first thing you do is hit the email, and you just get to work, get to work, get to work, get to work, get to work. Um, you know, if you don't get after this, Brian, you're going to get behind. You know, you're not winning. You're losing. If you don't get ahead, you got to work, you got to work, you got to work. You know what? I don't know if your phone has this or not, but mine had, my, there's this new technology. It's called the off button. It's like, right, you... you you could just turn the thing off. You could, you could take a break from news. You could take a break from social media. It, it's not okay. And some of you are thinking like, well, I won't be informed. You're not getting informed. You're getting depressed. And very practically, Paul's like, look, if you focus on those things, it is going to lead to anxiety and worry and a lack of joy. 
But if you focus on what Jesus has done for you, the beautiful reality that he gave his life for you, and he now gives you his righteousness, you focus in on that. That's where the joy and the peace comes from. Isaiah 26.3 says, you, speaking of God, you, God, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. There it is. You, oh God, keep in perfect peace the mind, the mind that stayed on him. Okay, that's the focus. And finally, the habits of peace. Verse nine, it says, what you have learned and received and heard from me. Okay, so all the things that you learn about me, about joy, about peace, practice these things, practice these things, and, and God's peace will come to you. There's a connection between our peace and our practice. You know, um, I, I don't do this now, but when I used to drive between locations, um, you know, I was in a hurry to get from play, point A to point B, and if I'm speeding and I see a cop over to my right or, you know, over to my right or to my left, um, there's a moment where I don't have peace. <laughs> and the reason why I don't have peace is because I'm not obeying the law. There's a connection between my practice and my peace. God in his great love for us gave us laws, gave us ways that if we trust in his ways and all of our ways acknowledge his ways, man, he's doing that for our good. For example, if I'm not obeying God's teaching on how to handle my money, I've got some things to worry about. If I'm not obeying God's teaching on sexuality, I've got some things to worry about. I mean, can I just get real for a second? I mean, it's hard to have peace when you can't remember if you erased your browsing history when your wife borrows your computer. It's hard to have peace when the only Snapchat your parents know about is your decoy. It's hard to have peace when you're sleeping with your boyfriend and you can't remember if you took your birth control pill. It's hard to have peace when you are not doing your best and cheating your company and wondering if you're still going to have a job. When you get out of God's design for your life, you have a conscience that won't let you be at peace. And what we want to do is we want to distort our conscience. We want to numb our conscience. We want to alter our conscience and so our bent is try to defend ourselves when our conscience is just fine. It's our behavior that's a problem. You've got God's presence in you, convicting you, pulling you away. Don't ignore that. Your peace, there are habits of peace that God would have you to walk in. So you've got the, you've got the source, you've got the logic, uh, you've got the posture, You've got the focus and you've got the practice. And these are things that, you know, this isn't an overnight fix. This is something that you need to um, put into practice in your life, engage these things over a course of time. And it's, again, it's not a quick fix, but it is peace and joy is the fruit of that life that lives that way. It's kind of like this, you know, um, I've got a friend out in, we've got a church out in um, near the, the Sequoia National Forest and Visalia. And they got these huge sequoia trees. I mean, they're like, 
a hundred foot in, in circumference, maybe two or three million pounds. In high winds, I mean, there's nothing winds can do to knock these things over. And, uh, but what, what high winds can't do, a wet ground can't. So if it rains long enough, if it rains long enough around these trees, even a small, even a small wind will uproot this tree. And some of us have worry and a lack of joy that just feels like this huge sequoia tree in your life. Uh, I mean, some of you are just like, and that, that joy is, is out of my reach. That peace is out of my reach. It's like this big sequoia tree. Like, how am I ever going to move that? Listen, if you let the water of his word, the water of his spirit, if you allow that to soak the ground around you over the course of time, man, it can just push right over. So here's what I do. I want to pray for us. Um, I believe in the power of God's word. I believe in the power of his spirit. God's word is true. God's word is right. And it has the power to break down the pattern of anxiety, of, of joylessness, of despair, of a lack of peace. It has the power to do that, but you got to let it in. You've got to let it work. And, and I want to pray for you that. If you, if you invite these things into your life, it's, it's going to happen. Here's the thing too. I, I love how it said, this was the point number two about the reasonableness. It says, let your reasonableness be put on display. And here's the other benefit. It's not just a benefit to you, but this is where our witness comes from. Our witness comes from the fact. So he says that he'll give us a peace that's beyond man's understanding. What does that mean? It means that everyone's going to look at your life and say, there's no way that you should be at peace right now. I'm looking at the circumstances of your life. You should not be at peace. You should not be at joy. What in the world is giving you that kind of joy? What in the world is giving you that kind of peace? And here's what you say. Let me tell you about Jesus. So this, has, this, is, this, is, this is beyond you. This is for you, but it's beyond you. It's about your witness and your effectiveness in this world and our effectiveness together. Let me, let me just pray for you. I just want to pray that the peace of God would just reign in your life. Lord Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you. Just thank you for all my brothers and sisters right now, wherever they are. God, I just pray right now that peace would come to them, that joy would come to them. Lord, as they look to you as a source, as they think about, man, the, the cross and what it's done. And man, this is the logical outcome of my faith. And Lord, posture of humility, of prayer, Lord, with thanksgiving. Regardless of what happens today, I'm going to be grateful. This is a day that you've made, and I will rejoice and be glad in this. And Lord, I, got, I pray for the ability to focus, Lord, to focus on your gospel and your word. Lord, not to, not to put ourselves on a 24-hour bad cycle, but a 24-hour good news cycle. And God, may we walk in the habits. Lord, I thank you for brothers and sisters who come alongside and say, hey, that's not... That's not right. That's not good. That's not in line. It's not just about correcting bad behavior to be good, but it's actually about our joy. Our joy and peace is at stake. And Lord, I know that you want to work in and through us to put us on display to be lights in this crooked generation. Pray these things in your name.